Um, tonight, we have Pastor Joel preaching for us tonight. So let's welcome him up. How you guys doing? Awesome, awesome, man. I feel like it's always so easy to like preach or share a word here because everyone's so encouraging. You know, there's like, I mean, you could say like something so like, you guys are so hungry and you guys are so passionate and such reverence and fear for the word of God that no matter what word goes out, you want to receive it. And it blesses the heck out of me because you don't see that at any other church, any other place. So I just want to honor you guys. And, um, and that just makes it easy for me just to kind of be myself and just share the word of God, you know, and not having to kind of be like, oh, let me, let me see how they would react to that or that, but kind of realize, man, man, these guys are hungry for anything, you know, God is good, yeah, you know, it's kind of like I could say anything here and, you know, Lord is good, yeah, yeah, so anyways, there you go, there you go, you guys are awesome, um, for those who don't know me, my name is uh, Joel Kim. I serve as the executive director of multimedia here at this church. And um, yeah, it's an honor to share the word of God this evening at Friday Fire, which is, um, if you guys haven't noticed, the first Friday Fire of the fall season. Come on. It's September, first Friday Fire of the fall. And um, for me, like, I get really excited when fall comes around just because I just feel like for me, it's, it's, it just signifies something new, something fresh. I mean, I know technically January is a new year, but for me, like, September is kind of the new year because, you know, the heat of the summer passes away, and then you have the coolness of the fall that comes in, and it's refreshing. You got, you guys are like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm like, I didn't even get into the good stuff yet. And then you got, uh, then you got school starting up. Yeah. <laughs> like, for school, you guys are, like, hungry and, like, praise God. And then, but my favorite reason, actually, to look forward to September like, I wait in July and August because I'm, like, so full of anticipation. It's because, uh, good, sports season. Sports season starts. A girl call that out, all right? You know, um, I'm a big fan of college football. You know, I'm a big fan of Rutgers. That was my college. How are you? And then we got, uh, we got basketball. Basketball is starting next month. And um, for those of you... Um, who, are, who, who don't know me very well. I'm from the New York, New Jersey area, so I'm a big fan. That's right, represent all the sports teams. Brooklyn, Brooklyn Nets. Um, most of you guys are New York Knicks fans, but uh, you, guys will all, you guys will all turn to Nets fans by the end of the season because we got like an amazing team. We got Kevin Garnett and Paul Pierce, but anyway, um, we got that. And then we also have um, um, the New York Giants. All right, this is, this, this, is, this is a house where the father, we have a father who loves the Eagles. So I'm in, like, enemy territory right here. I am, like, I am like I'm, one of the, I'm one of the remnant here who are Giants fans. So any Giants fans here besides me? All right, all right, all two of you. Let's go. All right. Yeah, so, I mean, I get so excited whenever fall comes around. And I just actually finished reading a book by a Giants head coach, Tom Coughlin. He wrote a book called Earning the Right to Win. And um, it was a book about his leadership and his management style. And, like, I just got so impressed while reading the book because this guy is, like, so super disciplined. Like, he plans his schedule. Like, most of us, we don't even have schedules. You know, we just kind of like, you know, let's go eat Kim up and watch a movie. <laughs> but, uh, but Coach Coughlin, man, this guy, he, like, plans his schedule minute by minute. Like, not minute by minute, but, like, five minutes by five-minute increments. And he'll plan his schedule two years in advance. Yeah, it's crazy. So... You go up to him, you ask him to show him your guide, and he'll show you what plans are two years later for his team. And he says something really profound in this book. This is not what my message is on, by the way. I'm just sharing. It's bonus. Good stuff. Um, but he shares some stuff where he says it's, it's equally effective and it's equally important to plan one year later than plan for the day ahead of you. Like, if you're able to do that, it's equally, like, um, effective and dynamic to do that. Because most of us, if we confess... We just get ready for the day, even not the day ahead of us, but just the day <laughs> that we're in right now. <laughs> but, um, but this guy, he's really challenging the way I view time. He's really challenged the way I view time management. And he knows what he's doing. Because the Giants, I don't know about the Eagles. 
But the Giants have won two Super Bowls within the last five years. They are, oh, that's just facts. I'm not being subjective, you know. Huh? They are a world-class organization, and now we got to learn from them because what they do works. Anyways, I'm not, I'm not a Giants evangelist. I'm just saying. But, um, but man, I, I just, I look at that stuff, and I try to apply it to my life because I'm like, I could learn a lot from it. And, you know, we could actually learn a lot about the kingdom of God by looking at athletes, by looking at how disciplined they are and how they set their focus on a goal and they'll just, you know, they'll, they'll exercise self-control, they'll make, they'll make plans for it and they'll, um, they're just so structured and coordinated. They don't mess around, you know, they just they go for it. And when I look at athletes like that, I get so challenged to kind of incorporate the same sort of focus in my life towards the kingdom of God. And to be honest, when I look at organizations like good organizations, um, um, you know, I didn't mean to say anything about the Eagles, but the, any good organizations like the Giants or, um, or any sort of sports club, the Eagles are doing well right now. Let's give them that. You see, you see that, you know, you see the sort of uh, professionalism and focus they have towards things, and you realize, when I, when I look at it at least, I get challenged because I'm just like, man, I just see an army, you know, in these, in these sports clubs. You know, they're so focused down to the teeth, and I, a lot of times I see what the church should be doing. When we look at these clubs. So anyways, that was a little long-winded. But, um, but if you guys have your Bibles, I want to kind of talk about that tonight and talk about the correlations that we can draw from athletes um, towards the kingdom of God. And I am not the only one to kind of bring that up. I'm not just saying that because I'm a sports fan, but it's in the Bible too. So if you guys have your Bibles, open up to 1 Corinthians 9, um, verses 24 to 25. Right. Um, I'm actually going to be reading from the NIV version. I actually like this translation a little better than the ESV. Um, so we're just going to be reading from that tonight. Um, but follow along with me as I read. Do you not know that in a race, all the runners run, but only one gets the prize? Run in such a way as to get the prize. Everyone who competes in the games goes into strict training. They do it to get a crown that will not last but we do it to get a crown that will last forever. Amen. Let me just pray for us before we go further. Yeah, God, I just thank you so much for tonight. I thank you that this word is your word. Father, it's a, a sharp, double-edged sword, Father. And God, we don't, yeah, that's what we came here for tonight. We want to hear the voice of the true and living God. Um, Father, I pray tonight that the words spoken from my mouth will not be the words of wit, will not be the words of just, um, of just, cl- of, of just cleverness, that they would just be words, but I pray there would be a demonstration of your power tonight in this room, God, that the, that the kingdom of God will go forth in this message, Father. So, Lord, come, um, give us ears to hear, give us eyes to see, release the spirit of wisdom and revelation all across this room, even now, and we just pray all these things in the name of Jesus. Amen. The message title for tonight is called Run the Race to Win. Run the Race to Win. Run the Race to Win. We just read this passage. In this passage, Paul talks about three things. He talks about a race, he talks about a prize, and then he talks about strict training. Okay? He talks about a race, a prize, and strict training for those of you guys who are taking notes. Um, he says, Do you not know that in a race all the runners run? But only one gets the prize. Run in such a way as to get the prize. He's saying, guys, do you, do you not realize that in a race, there's a lot of runners that run this race, but only one of them gets the prize. And he's saying, guys, run in such a way as to get the prize. Don't just run because you're in a race, but run with some focus, run with some direction, run with some unction because you want this prize and run in such a way as to get that prize. Um, to be honest, if I can just make an honest confession, I don't know how many of you guys are runners here. I know at our church, running has kind of been something very popular these days. I see groups posting up Nike app. You know, I run six kilometers. Is that, is that how Corey measures um, distances? But, you know, I see, gr- I see people like, posting up stuff on their Facebook feeds, and it's making us all, like, feel like <laughs> we should be out there running too, I guess. Um, I'm not the biggest fan of running, to be honest. Um, um, I've never felt the runner's euphoria. You know, that I don't have. Have you guys ever felt that? 
I have no idea what you're talking about. You know, I'm just like, what is this? Um, I'd rather do something more fun, like play basketball, at least in my opinion. Uh, play basketball or like, you know, just something that, that doesn't involve just running in a straight line for like <laughs> hours at a time. Um, but, you know, I, I got to admit, I got to confess, I'm, as I'm kind of getting older, you know, I'm, I'm not going to tell you my age, but I'm not 20 anymore. I'm realizing, man, I, I got to step out of my comfort zone. I got to try new things and I got to, you know, get my body into shape. Um, so I, I've been actually going out. I've been actually going out and running. And um, what's been helping is that I, I don't run alone. I run with someone. And I run with Pastor Gina. You know, she's... <laughs> I mean, we don't run like every day, but the times we have run, we, 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 you know, we, we have gone on running dates. And, um, and it's... Okay, get your awes in. All right. <laughs> and it's been, it's been good. I mean, because I'm telling you, if I was just running by myself, like I would run for like a thousand feet and then I'd, I'd have to start walking. <laughs> But then when I, when I run with Gina, it's like, snap, <laughs> you know, <laughs> you know, it's like, it's like, I, you're like, I'm the guy, you know, I, I actually, <laughs> you know, I, I, I gotta be strong, you know, I, I can't show that I can't run long distance. And I'm telling you, when I'm running by myself, I feel like I'm going to really collapse after a thousand feet. But, uh, but when I run with Gina, I'm telling you, there's something just kicks in me. And, like, I don't collapse, you know? I'm just like, oh, oh, oh. And I'm like, I, I talk to you, and I'm like, hey, you okay? You okay? <laughs> and I'm hoping she'll be like, oh, no, let's, let's rest. She's like, yeah, I'm fine. <laughs> and then she'll be like, you okay? And I'm like, yeah, yeah, I'm fine. <laughs> you know? And, uh, and I'm telling you, it's, it's powerful. Like, I, I, I've, I've never run so long without stopping ever, like, in my life. Um, this isn't the point of the message. Again, but, but I mean, there's something biblical in that too, right? You know, when you run with a partner, when you run with a friend, you go so much farther than you run by yourself. It says in the Bible, man, when you have a companion with you, you know, when you fall, that guy can pick you up, but woe to that person who runs by himself. So, I mean, I really see that in running. But anyways, so I've been running. I've been kind of getting into it, and um, it's slowly getting on me. Okay, I'll say that. It's slowly getting on me. And you have runners like us. You have runners in this church. Um... You know, a lot of bunch of you guys run. You know, we have a whole crew of people who just go on runs during the night times and, and what have you. You have runners like us. But then you have runners like my younger brother. Um, he's three years younger than me. And he's just a young, fit, robust guy. He's kind of, we kind of look alike. He's kind of like my, my clone, but just a bigger version of me with wider shoulders. <laughs> um, and this guy is a beast. I mean, he, he like... I mean, he's more into rock climbing now, but, but like even just a few years ago, he would run like eight to ten miles a day. Wow. I mean, he, he, he ran two marathons already. Wow. Um, and, you know, you have people like him. They take running to just another level, and they just enjoy running, and they like challenging themselves. And, um, and yeah, that's that. But then you have runners who not only run marathons, but they run marathons to win marathons. Yeah. Like, they're like... <laughs> They're like, I don't know, have you ever met someone like that? You know, like, like someone who signed up for the Boston Marathon. They're like, yeah, I'm there to break the Boston Marathon record. I mean, that's just like another level of gangster, you know, a lot of gangsterism. And like, man, I wouldn't want to mess with them if I was in their path. Because, man, if I, if I was running a marathon, <laughs> I would probably just like walk the whole thing. Because <laughs> I, I, I wouldn't want to like collapse and die, you know. I think I just want to take it easy and make it out alive. With all that said, I think, isn't that a picture kind of of the church, though? You know, just these different, these different types of runners that you see in life. Isn't that kind of like a picture of the church? You know, you have different types of runners. You have some runners who just want to take it easy, chill out, kind of do the most minimal work possible, and just get across the finish line, and yeah, come on, you know, you have runners like that. And the end, runners who run hard, you know, for certain seasons, but then other seasons, they'll walk. And all those teams will run hard, and all those teams will walk. But they're not, like, really focused on, like, trying to win the race. They're just kind of there to have a good time, just get a workout, and, and that's that, if anything. But then you have runners who sacrifice, who lay it all down, and they're so focused that I'm going to win that race no matter what. Even if I die, I'm going to get across the finish line, and I'm going to be first. You have runners who have that cutthroat, you know, steely-eyed mentality that just focus on winning the race. And if I can ask you guys, what kind of runner are you? 
where would you be in the race? And I speak for myself, but if I think, if I can be real, I think I'll speak for a lot of us when, when I think in this race, in this race that we call the Christian race, and I was going to say the Christian walk, but the Christian race, I think for a lot of us, we're just very comfortable, aren't we? We're comfortable in this thing called charismatic Christianity. We're just settling back. Um, you know, we come to church on Sunday, and, and we just enjoy the presence of God. You're like, this is so good and glorious. Um, if we feel like we want to take it up a notch, we come to Sunday Swim. <laughs> it's like, yeah, you know, I'm really feeling proud. I'm going to go to Sunday Swim and spend an hour, God, you know, just, just praying out loud. And, just, and, 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 and if you want to take it another notch, you, you throw in a K-1 set on top of that. The week before, you'll go to a K1 set. And if you want to throw another notch on top of that, you'll come on time for all those things. <laughs> but for the most part, preach, right? Yeah, okay. I think for the most part, we're just kind of enjoying the presence of God, aren't we? Yeah, we're just enjoying the presence of God. We're enjoying, you know... You know, David On's buttery voice, you know, John Newfield's voice, Soles voice. You know, we're, we're just enjoying just the worship and like, ah, you know, you go through the week and then like Sunday comes, you're like, oh, yes, you Philly, I'm just going to be with a whole bunch of passionate people together and we're going to praise God. And, and we're just comfortable. We're just, we're, we're com- let's be honest. We're comfortable. We love that. We're like, I love my house. It's so anointed. But I just feel like in that comfort, there's, I mean, when was the last time you've really been challenged to do something? There's like nothing really to challenge us because we're just kind of in that zone. And the more and more I see it, um, I don't think the Lord intended for us to live comfortably. He didn't. Um, I don't think comfortable and following Jesus, I don't think they belong in the same boat, okay? Because there's so much more the Lord has in store for us, all right? I believe that we're called to peace. I believe we're called to joy. I believe we're called to hope. But one thing we're not called to we're not called to comfort. Yeah. And, man, I just even remember just, just a few weeks ago, I was just, I was, I think it was like a Monday. And Monday, I had my Sabbath, and I had the whole day open to myself. I remember I was just having some good time with God in the morning. And I was just really dialing in the presence of the Lord. I was just enjoying God. He was enjoying me. I was reading the word, and my heart was feeling so alive. And I'm like, yeah, I love this. Oh, God, we're, we're, we're together. We're one. I, you know, I am right with you in my spirit, you know, and like I'm just in the place where I'm feeling the joy of the spirit and, and everything is, is, is bright and sunny. I'm like, yes, yes, I'm living the radical life. You know, I, 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 I have this time with the Lord. And later in the day, I'm in the subway and I'm sitting next to a foreigner. Um, and I'm just like, and while I'm sitting, God says, all right, talk to him. You don't, even, you don't even have to talk to him about me, but just talk to him. <laughs> just say something to him. Reach out to him. I am telling you, for the life of me, I could not do that. And I'm telling you, and you know, subways, you're counting down the stops, you know, when you get off. There were seven stops. And I was like, okay, I'll talk to him when we get to our third stop. Third stop before I get off. I'll talk to him then. We reached that point. I still can't do it. And, and this guy, you know, I, I could tell he was foreign because his, his hand was like white, you know. And I was just like, he's probably Caucasian or something because I... <laughs> It was, it was my judgment at that time. Don't judge me. Okay. And, I, and, and he was playing like a soccer game. And I'm like, okay. I mean, he seemed really into it. So I was just like, oh, you know, I can't, I can't bother that. You know, it's going to be so weird if I'm like, and he was like this big burly guy. If I was like, oh, hey, my name's Joel. I'm from the States. Where are you from? I couldn't do it. And I mean, have you ever felt that when everything in you is like, come on, do it. Talk to him. But, like you, but you can't do it. I'm telling you, everything he wanted to grab his shoulder and be like, do you know Jesus? You know, I just couldn't. I couldn't reach out for the life of me. And then came that seventh stop. I had to get off. I just felt so defeated. And I just, I just looked at him. And he wasn't even white. He was Korean. He had glasses. So actually, that made me feel better. I was like, okay, he, he wasn't a foreigner. Oh, that excused me. But man, I just... I remember just getting off that, and I was just like, oh, man. Man, that was tough. <laughs> you know, we're not called to comfort, guys. 
You can, you can have all the time with God that you want, but can you do that? I'm telling you, God will push you to step out of your comfort zone. But here's the thing. After that happened, like I was, you know, your failures are never failures. You learn from your failures. You learn from them. And it actually gives you extra grace to succeed when the same test comes around later. So the day afterwards, I was at a bus stop with Gina and a Caucasian guy. I'm pretty sure it was Caucasian this time. He came by. He stood there. I am telling you, there was no hesitation in mind. I was, you know, I was middle talking to Gina, and then he came. I was like, <laughs> and I was just like, hey, my name is Joel. I'm from New Jersey. Where, where are you from? And he was like, oh, hey. And then, and then we got to talk. He shared his name with me, and he, and he has shared that. <laughs> I want to protect his privacy, okay, in case he comes upon this. But, um, but we, we start talking. We're really connecting really well, man. And I'm, I'm able to even to be open about what I do. I'm like, hey, man, I'm a pastor. And my girlfriend, she's a pastor as well. He's like, oh, that's cool. And we just really connect well. Um, he's a Boston guy. And, um, and, I'm, and I'm from New York. And even though we have that rivalry in sports rivalry, I was like, that, that doesn't matter. I mean, we just were able to <laughs> talk. And I um, just wanted to point that out. We were able to just connect really well. And, we, and, and, when we, and the, the funny thing about it was that we got dropped off at the same stop too, um, coming home. So it was like the Lord orchestrated that. And so um, we exchanged numbers, and, um, and that stop actually happened to be a cafe. And he's like, hey, let's, let's have dinner, you know? Um, me and my wife and, and you and your girlfriend, let's have dinner at this cafe. And I was like, I didn't even, I, I'm, not, I'm not the person who asked that, you know? He's the one who asked that. He's the one who wanted to have that. And so, and I can't begin to explain to you the joy I had in my heart, you know, that I made a friend who wasn't Christian. <laughs> yeah! Come on! Get excited! I mean, that's all I wanted to do. You know, I wanted to have some non-Christian friends. Is that, is, that, is that too hard to ask for as a Christian? For many of us, it is very hard. But for me, I broke that boundary. And you guys all need to do so as well. But, um, but man, I felt so much joy. So, guys, my point is, you know, we're called to, you know, peace and joy and hope. Um, we're not called to comfort. And, and we'll often find that oftentimes comfort is a thief of all those things. Comfort, it's the ceiling that prevents your breakthrough from, from entering joy and hope and peace. That's good, right? All right. Better receive that. So I'm telling you, if, if you feel like you've been in a place, in a plateau of just being comfortable, try something crazy. Just go to the subway and just talk to any foreigner. Just, just talk. You know, Lord, Holy Spirit will give you words to speak. I am telling you. The spirit inside of you will leap up in joy. Jesus said, my food is to do the work of him who sent me. If that's Jesus' food, it's your food too. To do the work of him who sent you. And you, and you will find yourself at another level. But, um, but we're not called to be comfortable. We're not called to be comfortable. But you know what we're called to do? We're called to compete. We're called to compete. It's a competition, this Christian race. It's not a stroll in the park, but it's a competition. And let me kind of clarify what I mean by competition, because when we think of competition, it's like, oh, no, you know, it's not about competition. You know, God loves us all the same. <laughs> and that's true. That's what I want to clarify. <laughs> <laughs> God does love us all the same. It's not anything about that. But let me suggest to you this paradigm, if you've never thought about it before, that it's not a competition to earn love of God, but I'm telling you it's a competition to show love back to God. It's a, it's a competition to love God. Because let me tell you, there are going to be many runners in this race. But amongst those runners, there are going to be those few who love Jesus extraordinarily, who go deeper and farther in their love for him and others. Like these are the people who pay the ultimate cost for the gospel with everything they have because they live with the wisdom that this life, it, it isn't all there is. There's a life to come. There's an age to come. Be competitive. Go for the affections of Christ. I think of people like Jim Elliott. You guys know Jim Elliott, the famous missionary? We all know him. He's like our hero. You know, he went to the Aka Indian tribe. He went to the... <laughs> I'm always so funny about that. <laughs> He's our hero. <laughs> Anyways, this part is kind of serious, so you guys need to kind of quiet down a bit. That's not helping, okay? But anyways, Jim Elliott... Um, <laughs> I mean, when I think of people who pay the, the ultimate cost of the gospel, 
One of the first people I think of is Jim Elliot, because you guys know his historian's testimony about how he was martyred for the gospel. He went to the Aka Indians, a ferocious, like, um, a violent Indian tribe at that time that no one would reach out to. Him and a couple of his buddies, they went, and they ultimately ended up getting martyred. They, ended up, they ultimately ended up getting speared for their faith. Um, but then what happens later? After he died, the tribe actually reaches out to that family and says, you know what? We want the wife. We want the mother to come live with us for a few months. And so Jim Elliot's wife goes to live with that tribe. You guys may know the story. Entire tribe gets saved and converted. And in fact, the people who murdered Jim Elliot, his murderers become the pastors. Like, isn't that amazing? I mean, we know that quote. Jim Elliot said, he is no fool who gives that what you cannot keep to gain what he cannot lose. He was a race competitor. Man, he's like, I'm going to give it all. I'm going to lay it all on the line for the gospel, for the cross. I'm going to give everything. I don't know about my other friends are doing, but I'm going to do that. Because this life isn't all there is. There's, there's an age to come. And, and I know that when I stand before the throne of God, I'm going to get my reward for him. You know? And this is my demonstration of love. I think of Jim Elliott. I think of people like Dwight D.L. Moody. You guys know Dwight Moody? He's one of the greatest revivalists in the history in the last two or three centuries. Um, he's responsible for much of the Third Great Awakening. He would hold these huge crusades. He would bring millions of people into Christ. He, he influenced a guy named Mordecai Ham, who, who was evangelist himself. And this guy eventually influenced Billy Graham. I mean, Dwight, Dwight Moody is a, is a legendary figure. Do, do you know how Dwight Moody came to accept the call of Christ in his life? It's when an evangelist said, the world, the evangelist, they had a conversation together on a boat. He said to Dwight, the world has yet to see, Dwight, what God will do with a man fully consecrated to him. The world has yet to see what God will do with a man fully consecrated to him. And Dwight said, you know what, I don't know about everyone else, but I aim to be that man. I aim to be that man fully given over, fully consecrated. And he ended up being used by God very powerfully. I think of people like that, these competitors in this, in this race, who, who competed for the crown, because they know that it's going to be worth it when they stand before the Lord. And that's what God's kind of calling us to. He's calling us to be the same type of competitors. You know, I think we, we, we put these kind of figures on the pedestal way too much, I think. We're like, oh, they did that, but I can't do that. And we kind of fall for that lie, and we, and we end up doing nothing with our lives. We end up chasing things that really don't matter. But I think the word of the Lord tonight is he's calling all of us to say, no, go for the prize. You win that prize. I can do all things to Christ that gives me strength. He's called you forth. God is calling us to compete. He's not calling us to be comfortable. And when we compete and we live our lives in competition, Word of God tells us that there are prizes and there are rewards waiting for us in heaven. All right? Paul says, in a race, everyone runs, but only one gets a prize. One gets a prize. I want to share with you guys that we're not all going to get the same rewards in heaven. We're not all going to get the same rewards in heaven. You see, there's more to eternity than just a certificate of salvation, all right? There's more to eternity than just kind of going to heaven and be like, hey, I, I made it. That, that's, that's, that's barely, that's, that's nothing. You know, that's diddly, diddly. You know, there's, there's so much more. There's so much more to come. There's an inheritance waiting for you based on how you live this life here on earth, okay? Um, Jesus talks about treasures in heaven all the time in his parables, Paul talks about rewards you get before the throne of God, this passage notwithstanding. Hebrews talks about saints who are tortured. And while they're tortured, you know, the guards are like, okay, you can go. But they're like, no, please, I'm going to stay in this place. Because they want a better resurrection. He says that in Hebrews. Revelation, every letter, every letter to almost every church. God says, church of Philadelphia, church of Smyrna, church of Laodicea, stand strong. Do this. And if you do this, you will get this and this reward. Like, word of God is so clear that there are rewards that we get. Man, it's like this. When I was like in high school, I actually, I was, I was, music was a really big part of my life. Some of you guys know I'm involved with praise and K1. But when I was in high school, I really loved the trumpet. I played trumpet for like nine years. And, and I actually had at one point a dream to go pro on the trumpet. Um, but I was part of marching band. And, and um, I, was, I was like a drum major on the marching band. So do you, do you all know what drum majors are? They're the people who, who are in front of the band. They conduct the band. So I was a band conductor. Yeah. That's right. That's right. Um, but in addition to being part of marching band, I was also part of something called Tri-M Music Honor Society. 
Are you, are you guys, do you guys know what I'm talking about? Is this still around? Does it still exist? Okay. In my time, it existed. And it was like an honor society that they kind of um, created <laughs> for, for, people, for who, people who are like orchestra, symphony, band geeks, people like that. And, um, and I happen to be one of those. And when you're part of Triumph, you know what you get? You get like a Triumph pin. And you, get, and you get to wear that on your graduation day, on your gown. All right? Not only that, okay? On my graduation day, I had my cap, you know, and I had that pin, but I was also a good student. I was on the honor roll. I don't know. Some of you guys are like, whatever. I was on the high honor roll. All you nerds. I, 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 I wasn't that high honor, but I was on the honor roll, so I, I got a cool gold tassel that goes around my neck to be on the honor roll. I'm just saying, just saying, okay? And so graduation day, when, they, when, they, when I got my, my uniform and, and, they, and they gave me these things, I, I felt pretty special. I was like, man, that's right, you know? Four years of high school. This is what? This is it. And then I, I thought I was going to, like, stand out until I saw my friends. You know, I had friends who were part of not only Tri-M, not only part of Honor Roll, but they were part of the High Honor Roll. They were part of the National Honor Society. They are part of the Thespian Club. They are part of Future Business Leaders of America. And you know what? They were pretty decked out. <laughs> Congratulations. I was, I was even almost embarrassed. I was like, oh. And then... And, it was, and they had their moment of glory, you know, because they, they, you have the regular people who just make the graduation, right? And they got, like, nothing on them. <laughs> Some of you are like, that was me. No shame. You know, they just, they just had their certificate. And then you have, like, those middle-of-the-line people like me, and you're like, yeah, I got my, 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 my gold tassel. I'm good. And then you have people who are just, like, decked out in everything, and everyone's just like, oh. I think that's kind of how it is on the day of the Lord when we come before God. It's kind of a silly story, but it's true. When we come before God, there are going to be those who just kind of get in, but there are also going to be those whom the Lord will reward and, and will honor before everyone for the lives they live and the sacrifices they've made. I don't know about you guys, but I want to be part of that crew. <laughs> you know, I want to be part of that. Man, it's, it's one thing to be honored by men, but it's another thing to be honored by God before the whole host of heaven. I mean, come on, get it. You know, it's good. <laughs> Here's the thing, and this is like really good. Write this down, okay? This is like really good. <laughs> we are saved by the work of Jesus, but we are rewarded according to our own work. Okay, I guess it wasn't that good. Because <laughs> I'm like, mm. it's profound. Think about it, meditate on it, it'll change your life. We are saved by the work of Jesus, but we are rewarded according to our own work. I honestly think this may be the most underrated doctrine preached in the church today. Don't know about you guys, but I was never really taught that growing up in my church. I was only taught about making it to heaven, and from that point on, it was just about being a good person. But we're rewarded. Like, things we do in this life, like, actually, there's ramifications, okay? We're not just, it's not, we don't just get salvation. I mean, you determine how far you go in the Lord when we, get, when we come to that age. And... And that's something I wasn't really taught in the church growing up. And, and certainly that's, when I look at the mainline church overall, I love the church, but when I look at the church, I don't, I, I don't think we even, we certainly don't teach that to unbelievers when we get them to say the sinner's prayer. You know, all we, all we do when we get the, 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 the unbelievers to say the sinner's prayer is like, we sign them up for a race, right? But then from that point on, we just kind of move on to convert someone else. And we don't convey, we neglect the more important part that there's still a race to run with eternal consequences in how we run the race. And that's how the church is kind of growing. And that's, and that's the reason why, in my opinion, I think that you see so much of the flesh in the church. Because we lack the eternal perspective. You have so much division, you have so much backbiting and discord, because all we have is this false, you know, theology taught that, man, heaven's it. And, and when people hear that, they're just in it for this age, this life. They want to get... What, what's theirs in this, in this age, in this temporary age, without realizing, man, no, there's something more. This, this is just temporary. There's something more to come. And they don't live life set for eternity, but they're just trying to get everything they can in this age. 
And that's why you have all these dysfunctions in the church, I believe, at least. At least that's one reason. And there's also a lie, you know, just with all of this. There's a lie of the enemy going out to the body of Christ that there's not much to contend for in this life. You know, it's just like, hey, just get to heaven. And, oh, good, you're in heaven. That's good. And we just get this image that we're going to be on clouds with, with harps and just, and just, and like fraternity. And I'm telling you, like, that's just lame. That's just boring. And, you know, that's the enemy's goal. He wants to bore us out. He wants to keep the church dull, uninspired, unfascinated, bored, half-hearted. Because when the church is bored, do you know what happens? We start chasing other things. And that's why you see, you know, what we see in the church today. But, I mean, guys, what if, let me challenge you, what if we see a generation with a proper biblical understanding of what's to come? What if we see a generation treating this life like the internship for eternity that it is? What if we see a generation walk in that knowledge and the power of God? I'm telling you, there will be a great awakening released all over the earth when Christians start taking hold and start being competitive in this race that God's calling us to run. Amen? Amen. And I see it today. It's happening. I see a, a, a movement of young people who love the Lord, who, who are in it, not for this age, but as the end of the age draws near and Christ is returning soon, they're living for the age to come. I'm seeing that in everyone, and there's a great revival coming on. And my question is, do you want to be a part of that? Do you want to be a part of that? See, my qu- we're saved, that's for sure. But my question is, will you be rewarded? Will you be rewarded? And that's what Paul's saying. Guys, go for the prize, all right? Don't just run this race, okay? But run as if to win the prize. One of the, one of the ways that I feel like God really rewards us is a new Philly core value being faithful with the small things. Like, that's the stuff that God sees. I mean, that's the stuff that we see as well, you know, and we, and we, and we honor our leaders who, who have lived that lifestyle, you know, past interns and interns right now. But more importantly, that's what God sees. And that's stuff that he honors, the small stuff. And, um, and I just want to share this illustration because it, it was just very powerful for me to kind of see that in action. But um, New Philly as staff... We, we do a lot of things together, our staff. We have, we have a summer retreat, and, but we also have a staff winter retreat. Um, right before the new year, we get together. Um, last winter retreat, we got together at PC's place. We cooked together. We spent time in worship and prayer and planning out things for the new year. And it was just an awesome time of just bonding as staff. I remember we made these little poster boards where, um, I don't know who, but someone printed out color, um, colored pictures of, of our faces, like, like blown up. And then he, they would place them on poster boards, and then they would draw, like, little, you know, line figures beneath that. And then all the staff would write encouragements for each other. And so, like, that was really cool. And, and I remember every morning, I'd kind of see who had the most encouragements, you know, in the morning. <laughs> I'd be like, who, who's most popular here, you know? And uh, I always felt good when I looked at my board, because a lot of people were rolling out saying, oh, welcome to the staff, Joel. Glad that you're here with us. Um, but the, the highlight of that retreat, actually, to be honest, that kind of stuck with me and made a mark on me was, was the, the, last, uh, the last night of the retreat. And that's when we're wrapping things up. And that's when um, we do like a little Christmas gift exchange. And that's kind of fun, too. Um, we, Pastor Christian, Pastor Aaron, after all that was over, they came out. And they gave rewards and bonuses to members of staff to just reward them and to recognize them for being faithful with small things. You know, things that, you know, you don't really capture, you don't really see, because it's not like you're on the stage, but things like in the background. And it was, and it was cool. You know, people got different types of rewards. Um, but the last reward was the MVP award. The MVP award. And we were all like, oh, who's going to get that reward, you know? <laughs> um, Tina Lee happened to get that reward for that year. And I was like, wow, what a woman of God, you know? <laughs> I was like, man, Tina. Um, but I, that's a picture kind of... Um, that's kind of a picture, I think, of, of what will happen when we stand before the throne of God. Like God's going to see, he's going to look at our lives, and he's going to reward us according to the faithfulness with which we lived our lives in just the small things. It's not the big things God's really interested about. I think more he's interested in the small things that no one sees. You know, your times with him, your ways that you gave in secret that no one knew about. Like that stuff really matters to God. He knows it. Um, Ways that you helped someone out and you, and you didn't want them to help you back. I mean, because you just wanted to honor them. I mean, just little things. That's the stuff that I feel like the Lord really rewards. And, um, and when I realized that, when I realized that, it makes the biggest difference in how I live my life. 
Because I realized, man, everything I do, God sees me. Everything I do. There is no meaning lost in what I do. Okay? Even if there's a moment when I'm getting disrespected and insulted on the subway or, you know, anywhere else, and I'm tempted to respond in the flesh, but I don't, and I bless that person. And, like, no one saw that, you know, something in my heart. God saw that. And, and that moved his heart. Like, the knowledge that what I do moves his heart in the secret place. Man, I don't know about you, but for me, that makes the biggest difference in regards to wanting to live that kind of way. Because I know when I stand before the throne of God on that day, he's going to recognize that. He's going to see that. And that's kind, of, that's kind of what God's calling us to do. He's calling us to be faithful with the small things. And those are one of the, that's one of the ways that we'll be rewarded. So there's a race, there's a prize, and then there's strict training. Strict training. It says in verse 25, everyone competes in the games, goes into strict training. They do it to get a crown that will not last, but we do it to get a crown that will last forever. These athletes, Paul's saying they engage in strict training and affects everything they do in life. And this is where the small things kind of comes into play right here. This is kind of like the application portion of my message. Everything they do, it's, it's, just, it's structured around the vision they have. They need to be strict. And they have to say no to a lot of things because they have a goal on the vision. For example, they have to watch what they eat. They have to be disciplined with a schedule. They have to sleep early. They have to wake up early. I'm already feeling conviction in your hearts. You're like, oh, that's me. That's me. Um, and here's the thing. Here's the thing. They're, they're doing all of this for a medal and a trophy that, as glorious as it is, we're, we're going to kind of forget about that in 20 years, aren't we? And Paul's saying, man, if, if they're doing that, something, they're, they're giving their lives to something like that for so temporary a goal, you know, how much more should we be doing it for a crown that lasts to eternity? A crown that lasts to eternity. So in the same way, Paul's saying we need to be strict as well in regards to our standards. We can't cut corners. We can't be lax. Because if we do, we're going we're to fall behind this race. We need to be strict. So my question to you, how strict are you? How strict are you in regards to what you watch, what you listen to? How strict are you with your time with God? Hmm? And I just want to quickly hit three things here. Um, three things that when I notice athletes have, three things that they're, really, they're, they're strict on, and there's many more, but for the purposes of this message... Number one, they have a strong vision. They've got a strong vision. Vision, and a strong one, is what separates the good teams from the bad teams. The good teams have a vision of themselves as champions, so when they enter into arenas of opposing teams, they, come, they carry a swagger. They're like, you better recognize. <laughs> We're the Philadelphia Eagles. Philadelphia Eagles are good this season. I respect them. Chip Kelly. Maybe better recognize, you know, we're the New York Giants. We won two Super Bowls in the last five years. You know, I mean, they have that kind of confidence and that vision and swagger. And they're like, we're going to go for our, our third Super Bowl. You know, they just kind of have that sort of vision. But the bad teams, honestly, they're just kind of in it to kind of just make their pay grade, make their paycheck, do the best they can. But they don't have that kind of mentality. And the same way, it's, there's no different with us as believers. There's no different with us as believers. So Proverbs 29 says, if you don't have vision, you know, you will not do anything. You'll cast off all restraint. And what that means is that, you know, if you don't have vision, you're not going to put any discipline in your life or self-control. Because what's the point? What's the point? And, and I feel like for some of us, we've just come to a place where, man, we've just been struggling with certain habits and strongholds. And maybe we started off with a vision that, man, I'm going to overcome this and I'm going to just reach the fullness of being that woman or man of God that I am. But through time, we've just kind of been, you know, um, wear down to the point where that vision is not even that clear anymore. And, and here, that's when things really need to change. Like, that's, that's where even Pastor, um, um, Pastor Sam Song, I'm going to say Pastor Solomon. He's from Solomon's Porch. <laughs> <laughs> Pastor Sam Song said, it's so true what he said. You know, the warfare, it's true, it's in the heavenlies, but it's more in our minds. Because when the devil can convince you that, man, you're, you're, you're never going to get there. You're never going to be like Pastor Aaron or Pastor Christian. You're, you're never going to be there. You're never going to be like them. But when you have a strong vision for your life and you see yourself as a man of God, you see yourself as a woman of God, ministering with the Isaiah 61 anointing as a mighty warrior, you're going to get there. Amen? 
I'm telling, I've had so much bondages and addictions in my life that I could not have broken off unless I had a vision. In the darkest moments, in the valley time, in the darkest valleys, if, unless I had that vision that, Joel, you're going to be that man of God, moving and anointing, walking in power and authority, I'm telling you, I would not be able to pull myself out of that. And we need to have that vision. We need to have that mindset. And for, and for many of us, this message is a lot, it constitutes for that, that vision of winning the prize that God has for us in heaven. So, um, so there's vision, okay? And then number two, there's diet. Diet. Athletes have to be careful of what they eat. Obviously, because, you know, they have to treat their bodies. They have to be fit. They have to be at optimum physical health to perform well on the field. And the same way, Christians, you know, we need to be careful what we eat, too. <laughs> Nothing wrong with that. All right? I, mean, that I mean, we really need to, okay? <laughs> or else... You know, we're going to die early. We're going to die young in, in, in this age that we live in right now. We've got to take care of our bodies. But, but what I want to talk about is actually we've got to also be careful what we listen to and what we see. I don't know if it's just for me, but I'm, I'm realizing more and more my heart is more affected by media. My heart is more affected by the music I listen to. I'm telling you when the VMA Awards happened and, and the whole Blurred Line song came, I didn't watch the video, but I listened to that song. And it was in my head for like a week. Like, like I was trying to spend time with God and I hear that song in my head. And I'm like, no! <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm like walking down the street to Seoul. I hear that song. I'm like, no! Like, it, it, was, it took a long time for that thing to, to get out of me. And I mean, the enemy is not stupid, guys. He knows that the way to win people's hearts is through the arts. That rhymes. <laughs> the way to win people's hearts is through the arts. Hashtag Friday Fire. <laughs> um, <laughs> and um, that, that is his secret weapon. And God is not a fool. He knows that too. And that's why when you look, at, when you look in heaven, you see that what surrounds the throne of God, or what, what, what surrounds the throne of God? Worshippers. But, what's, what's, but, what, but they're worshiping with music. Music was created for the purposes of giving glory to God and, and magnifying Him. That was a purpose. That was eternal. Pur- that was the divine purpose for music. Um, man, when you you see the power of music that 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 the Lord intended for it to be, and the enemies are taking that, and perverting that, subverting that. So we got to be careful. All that said, um, in regards to what we listen to, and we also got to be careful what we see, what we see as well. And I just feel like. You guys know what I'm talking about when I'm, when I'm talking about all these kind of things. And don't get me wrong. I'm not saying, like, be a hermit. I'm not saying throw away your TV or, or whatever, or anything like that. I mean, you know, me and Pastor Marcus, we like to just bond over watching a good TV show. And, and there's nothing wrong with that, okay? We're not trying to be religious here. But, I'm, but man, I just want to see what would happen if there was a culture and a community here that's not being religious, but out of genuine hunger for God, we, we forsake that time because we want to spend time with the Lord more. We, 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 more than secular entertainment, we, we want divine entertainment. We want to engage with God in the heavenlies. And, and um, that sounds really like, ooh. But what I'm, what I'm trying to say was, when I was at IHOP, one of the coolest things that I saw is that at least all the missionaries that I was hanging out with, when I went to their houses, like almost none of them had TVs. And they weren't trying to be like, oh, we're like holy, you know, whatever. But they had a sincere desire to grow in the knowledge of God. They wanted to grow in the depths of the word. They wanted to grow in, in just in, engaging and communing with the Lord. Because they knew that even this life, it's, it's not enough, guys. Isn't it true? His glory, says in, in scripture, is unsearchable. You're not going to come to an end of it. There's never a point, even in this life, where you're going to be like, I had God all figured out. But, but that underscores the more important point. How much more should we then give ourselves in pursuit of God? Amen? And just seeking his glory. And um, here's, here's the thing. And everything you do, this is, this is, this is what it's about. This is, is what will keep your heart alive or dead. Ask yourself, is this helping me love Jesus more? Is this helping me love Jesus more? The degree to which you can answer that question, I believe that's the fine line in engaging in things that will either dull the heart or make it come more alive. It's true. It's true. Because you realize the more you watch things that are just kind of junky, and you realize there's something being done to your heart. Have you guys ever felt that? When you just spent a little too much time on YouTube, 
when you spend a little too much time on Facebook, how do you guys feel after that? Do you feel like edified in your spirit? Do you feel like, let's go to a prayer meeting? <laughs> it's, it, it's, it's, like, it's like eating junk food, you know? You just don't feel too well. And like, you, can't, you can't run a mile after eating like seven Big Macs, okay? Maybe when I was like nine years old, I could do that. I, there's no way I could do that now. I'd like leave a trail behind me, you know? I want to be able to do that. <laughs> But, but guys, I mean, we, we look at that, but that's kind of how we treat our spirits, okay? You can't pursue God in a deep way when, you, when your heart is given to all this stuff. You know, try to have a good prayer time with God after a few hours of, of, of just media, okay? Whatever it is, Facebook, whatever. I'm telling you, it's going to be tough because you're fighting that. So what I'm trying to say is that whatever you do, will this help you love Jesus more? And that's a fine line in it and engaging things that will either dull the heart or make it come more alive. Amen? Amen. Yeah. Amen. yeah. And these things, man, I, I actually was kind of like hesitant in sharing it because I just feel like it's basic Christianity. But it's basic stuff that, honestly, we don't really fulfill. We don't actually carry out. But if we actually did it, it would make the biggest difference in our lives. We would go so much farther in the Lord. And so I'm, I'm sick of preaching this stuff. I want to see it being done. Amen? Yeah. From From... You know, from myself, from the staff, from this entire church, because I'm telling you, when we do that, we're making room for God to, for more of His work, and that's that's what I'm living for. Okay, so we have the vision, we have the diet in regards to what we feed and what we see, and all that stuff, and then finally we have exercise. We have exercise. Now, exercise again is good for the body. Paul says it's good for the body. It's, there's some value in it, but there's even more value in training yourself to be godly. Because it has value not only in this age, but in the age to come. Paul says that. So exercise, the way I see it, it's spending time with God. Spending time with God. I want to speak to something here. And this is something that I've kind of noticed in kind of charismatic Christianity. Um, And I kind of, I'm, I'm a fault to it myself. So I'm kind of pointing this just at myself. But I feel like, unless you're like part of the IHOP movement and you spend like hours inside a prayer room, most of us, it's just difficult to do that, okay? And most of us, we just kind of substitute alone time with God with just time with God on our phones, you know, just listening to worship music in the subways, wherever we go. And um, it's like God on the move, you know? Like, when we're on the move, <laughs> we'll have God with us. There's nothing wrong with that. That's awesome that you want to be filled and inundated with the presence of God wherever you go. There's nothing wrong with that. But here's the thing. Let me kind of just at least present a paradigm. Um, we look at that and we say, that's me trying to bring, that's me trying to have a relationship with God because he's with me in everything that I do. Some of us, we say that, but then we refuse to actually spend time with God. You know, but, but, but we'll just only spend time with God when, when we're on the move, when we're doing something because we just can't bring ourselves to be alone with God and have one-on-one time with him. You're saying, what you're saying right then is that you are too busy there's no room in your schedule for God alone, but there's only room in your schedule when it's like those scraps during the day when you're traveling. That's what you're saying. Am I alone? <laughs> Don't throw st- stones or bricks at me. I'm saying, that's good, okay? But we cannot neglect the f- spending time with the Lord one-on-one. Amen? And a lot of us, you know, we have this awesome zeal in our hearts. We're like, I'm going to spend time with God every night, 10 p.m. before I go to sleep, or... You know, I'm going to wake up in the morning at 7 a.m. before I go to work, and yeah, we're going to have it. But then what happens? At 10 p.m., it's like you're praying, and then Facebook message, and then like that time never happens. Or in the mornings, you like you oversleep, and it never happens. But if we made an appointment with God, shouldn't we like keep that appointment? Isn't that just basic manners, right? <laughs> if Barack Obama wanted a meeting with me at 5 a.m., Okay, through Skype. I don't care if I slept at 1 a.m. I'd make sure I was up by 5 a.m. Okay? I wouldn't want, I mean, I want to respect that time that I have with him. Right? How much more the God of the universe? We take him for granted too much. We take God for granted way too much. And we've got to stop doing that. God is gracious. He loves us. and he's, That's why he's the most kindest person there is. Okay? Because... God still loves us, you know, with all that stuff, you know? I mean, I'm, if, I, if I got stood up like that, I mean, there'd be some offense in my heart. But God still loves us. 
But man, on our parts, doesn't, doesn't that challenge you? Doesn't, I, it challenges me. It challenges me when I realize, man, we take God for granted so many times, and we've got to stop doing that. We've got to make time with God each day. Okay? Honestly, that's like the most important thing. Of everything I share in this message, that's probably the most important thing that I could possibly share. When you spend time with the Lord, that does more for you than anything else. When you spend time in the presence of your creator, gazing upon the beauty of him, I mean, do, do, you, do you get it? Like, we're all about efficiency. We're all about productivity. But we ignore the God of all that. We ignore the very source and center and essence of creativity and productivity, you know? And we wonder why we're not getting anywhere. Man, when I spend time with God, I find that I get more productive. I find I get more creative. I find that I have, I have just extra things in my spirit. I, I find that I have extra grace in my life um, to, to produce the fruits of the spirit. That stuff doesn't happen unless we spend time with God. Spending time with God, you know, that is kind of like the athlete's exercise for us. That's how we grow. That's how we run this race. Because without that, you're going to fall behind. But we need to do that. And when you do that, you experience more and more victory in the Lord. More and more victory in the Lord. Um, you'll find that you don't, you know, you'll find that you won't need like retreats or revivals to kind of get jumpstart your spirit because you have that each day when you have time with God. And that's what really marks a mature Christian. There was times in my life when I needed these things and I would wait for it. But it's just, it com- it's coming to a point in my life, and I think, you know, many of you can emphasize with me that, man, sometimes I get it better with the Lord when I'm just in my room. I have these God encounters, right? That, that, that shape the, the course of my life wherever I go. There's significant moments that happen that can only happen with me. I have a history with him in my room, the history. Like, that's what we need. That's what we need if we're going to go forward. Yeah. So when we gather on nights like tonight or Sunday, I think what marks a mature church, it's the understanding that it's not so much about, like, our needs, right? Come for God and be like, Lord, I've had a long day. Hey, bless me. <laughs> You know, it's not so much about us getting ministered to, but we've already experienced that through the week. And it's about us coming with our own sacrifice to give to God and just thanking God and praising God. It's not about God giving us his sacrifice, you know. He's already given it to us in Jesus. <laughs> but it's about us giving us our sacrifice to God. And can you imagine what it will be like when the entire church body does that and we're all moving in unity like that and we all come together I think we can go so much deeper, and I think we'd see a greater manifestation of God's presence in worship. Amen? When all our individual anointings merge into one corporate anointing, like crazy stuff happens. That's when you see healing in worship. That's when you see people getting healed and delivered, even without like ministry time, just in the middle of worship. That's when you see people getting saved. When we release that, that which has already taken place in the secret place. So we need that exercise. We need that time with God. And that's, that's, those are the small things, all those things. Those are, those are the small things that Lord will watch and see and he'll reward us for in the age to come. Hmm. Can I get, um, who played the keyboard today? Susie, can you come up? Um, I'm nearing the end of my message here, but um, I just want to close with this. Uh, sports teams, they understand that the season doesn't last forever. They understand they have a limited window, four months, five months, you know, whatever, and it's done. In the same way, like, we need to understand as well that our time on earth is limited. In fact, Jesus may come back before some of us even pass away. The age is drawing to a close, and there needs to be a sense of urgency, an urgency to contend for that crown that God has promised us, for those of us to contend for it. And I know tonight, I've thrown around the word crown a lot. Crown this, crown that, rewards, awards, you know, in that category. But let's think about the word crown. Who wears crowns? Who are the type of people who wear crowns? Kings. Princess, princesses, queens. God wants to give us a crown. It's not just a bling bling thing, okay? It's an authority thing. 
It's a stewardship thing. He wants to see how faithful you have been in this life. And if, and if you have shown to be faithful, he will entrust you with more. He'll give you that crown so that we can rule and reign with him in the age to come. This age isn't all there is. There is an age to come when we will stand with Christ as his bride and rule and reign with him in a place of, of governing and authority. Like, that's, that's what we're called to. You know, we're not called just to be saved from something. We're called to be saved to something. Not saved from hell. We're called to be saved to ruling with Christ. That's what he wants. He doesn't just want a bride that's just signed a paper and that's it. He wants a bride that's, that's been made ready. Book of Revelation. Been made ready in full maturity. In full maturity so that he can rule and reign with us. That's what he wants. He wants that partnership. And that's the beauty of the gospel, I believe. The gospel isn't just about us being saved, but it's about us being saved to something. Um, Yeah. And I made it my goal a long time ago not to live a comfortable life. I mean, even coming to Korea itself was not an easy decision for me. Um, some of you guys know I am a missionary. I raise support, meaning, you know, um, I have to continually um, raise partners around the world who, who want to support me and support my ministry. And, man, that just scared the heck out of me when I, when I first got into that three years ago. Because before that, all my needs were met financially. I had parents who were just doing well, and, and I didn't need to worry about all that. But then when the Lord called me to step down from being a pastor at that time to being a missionary at a house of prayer three years ago, it scared me because I just, I didn't want to be in a place where I depend on other people. Because I've always, I was always so dependent upon myself. I'm always, I was always the kind of person who, who wants to live off the fruit of my hands. I did not like the idea that I needed to depend on people and I needed to ask for things. But God said, before I even get to where God said, and I looked at my friends, they were all like, doing well as pastors of their own churches and they were graduating from being a youth pastor to an English ministry pastor and my dad, he was like a, he was like a big proud Korean senior pastor and he was just like you're going to be a senior pastor too you'll be a senior pastor and I was like, I don't know about that dad but I had those kind of expectations and goals in my life and then when I made the decision to leave that and become a missionary you know, my dad passed away from cancer by then but that was really tough for my mom to hear she was like, Joel, that's what your dad wanted. I mean, what are you doing with your life? You're not, even, you're not even ordained yet. And I would come before God. You know, there are times I'd come before God and be like, God, what are you doing? You know, like, Lord, I mean, I don't want this. You know, I, I, I want to do what I want to do. I want to obey my parents. I want to do that. But the word of the Lord was clear to me. You can follow that ministry route. You can follow that comfortable route or you can follow me. And by his grace, I did. And it didn't disappoint. It was the best decision I've ever made in my life. I got to see the power of God at work in my life like I've never seen before. Like signs and wonders. All the stories you hear about missionaries getting financial, you know, blessings, like out of nowhere. Like I experienced all of that. And we'd be here all night if I were to share every testimony. But there were multiple times in my life where God said, are you going to pick the easy route? Or are you going to pick the, are you going to follow me? Even though it may be hard. But God said, you know, it may be hard, but I'm telling you, there will be joy in it. And even coming to Korea, I'm telling you, that wasn't an easy thing. Like, that was tough for me. Like, I was leaving behind a big, a great ministry, which I loved. The people that were my family. Like, they, they were my family, really. But God said, are you going to follow me again? You follow me from stepping down to be pastor, from doing this. Are you going to trust me one more time and come to Korea, even though you don't know this church? Even though, you know, you may... You know, be an intern here, you know, with people you don't know in a country you know, you're not very familiar with. And by the grace of God, you know, I did it. And it didn't disappoint. The Lord gave me you guys, this church and this body, and it's been an, it's been an awesome time. Um, and even though, like, some of my friends, they're, like, back in the States, they're like, man, what is he doing with his life? You know, what is he doing? I know that when I stand before the throne of Christ... I know what God will think of what I did. And that's what matters the most. You know, I'm not going to look like a fool, you know, when I stand before God for the decisions that I made. 
And that's the kind of challenge I want to leave with you. You know, are you going to follow the easy path? Are you just going to be a runner in this race? Or are you going to run it to win? You know, are you going to, are you going to obey God? Are you going to obey Jesus? When he says, go and win the loss, when you're, when you're in the subways, when you see people, you know, sitting and they have no one talking to them, are you going to be the one to reach out, walk over to them and, and introduce yourself? Are you going to step out of your comfort zone? Are you going to get out of the comfort of being in this nice, prophetic, you know, holy moly environment and, and reach out? Are you going to, that's just one example. But are you going to make those hard choices? Because I'm telling you, there's eternity at stake. And there's inheritance God has for you. And more than that, there's joy that he has for you. And there's, um, there's life that he has for you and decisions that you make, not just for yourself, but for the people that you minister to. So, so let's just take some time to pray.